listeners, avid fans, welcome back. Thank you very much for tuning in to The Frying Pan, episode six. We are over halfway to, uh, to ten episodes, so this is a fairly monumental occasion by all accounts. Um, my name is Louis Rive, and uh, I'm editor of Talking Soup magazine. Uh, I'm broadcasting from southern Spain uh, in an area roughly between... Cordoba and Seville. Uh, I'm joined, as always, uh, by my, my, my trusted and loyal uh, guest and friend, Rowan Kane. Um, Rowan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well uh, today, Louis. Uh, I am not an editor anymore. My, my former magazine is on hiatus, but I am a blogger at semalongstories.wordpress.com. Uh, um, and uh, I am uh, broadcasting today from a lovely garden in Sanur, uh, which is part of Denpasar in Bali, which is in Indonesia. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, I, obviously for those listening to the, uh, the online edition, you won't be able to see the glorious surroundings that uh, Rowan finds himself in. Um, definitely better than mine, which at the moment I feel like I am enclosed in a marble coffin, which is uh, my, my office here in Spain. Uh, aircon is on full blast, temperatures are rising, um, and... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a fairly spicy podcast. It looks it looks something between somewhere between between a bathroom and a and a classroom. Yes, it, yeah. Mm. It's it's definitely a classroom. That when they designed it, they went for the public toilet theme as as the prevailing theme of the uh, of design of design, and they've done an excellent job, I must say, of uh, really bringing out the grime and uh, soullessness of the public toilet. So. Uh, to whoever did the half-assed job that is this class, well done. Well done indeed. Today we're going to talk about sports. So this is the uh, sports not illustrated um, issue. Uh, we're going to go straight into it, straight into it really. Um, I, I'm obviously broadcasting from Spain, which uh, many people will know is a, a country fairly well-renowned for its sports. But uh, Rowan is broadcasting from Indonesia, and um, the world of Indonesian sports seems to be as murky as it is misunderstood in the Western world. Rowan, can you, can you cast a little bit of general light on uh, what, what, what's even popular in Indonesia? What do people follow? The two biggest are badminton, badminton, which has an N in there, which I didn't know about until relatively recently, uh, and football, soccer. Um, and uh, I have know very little about badminton, uh, <laughs> except that it's in the Olympics and very popular in Asia. Um, so we're going to move swiftly past that and onto football, which I know a considerable about considerable amount more about. Um, I've actually written a couple articles about Indonesian, the situation in Indonesian uh, football or soccer, depending on, on how you want to put it for uh, for for Vice Sports, and we'll have them in the in the um, in the uh, show notes. But the 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 short story is that um, over the past decade or so, uh, Indonesian soccer has been uh, completely uh, uh, undermined by corruption, by uh, teams underperforming, by coaches being removed for political reasons, uh, just a whole host of issues that, that uh, I'd love to go more in depth uh, if, you, if you so desire. Well, I would absolutely desire. I mean, you've mentioned a lot of things there, sort of uh, endemic corruption and uh, sort of people losing games maybe on purpose. And uh, that's an affliction that... that, that that Europeans will not be 
strangers to, shall we say. The situation in Italy really is exactly the same as that. Uh, The the one difference being um, Italy still remain uh, very, very good at football, whereas Indonesia, in fact, for such an avid football fan, I know literally nothing about Indonesian football. Um, Straight up zero. Yeah, so... So, so, so the problems, I think, are much more widespread in Indonesia. Uh, I'm going to start with the, uh, the, the, the situation of the, the Mariputi, which is the, the national team. They're ranked around 150th uh, in the world, um, give or take a couple, couple uh, couple's rank, rankings. Uh, but their, um, their big issue uh, is that um, they're now sanctioned from FIFA and are unable to play in international competitions. Now, the reason they're sanctioned in FIFA, yeah, the reason they're sanctioned in FIFA is because of endemic corruption within the Football Association uh, of Indonesia, which is called the PSSI. Um, The biggest, uh, the the match-fixing scandals that have come across here aren't so much to do with the teams themselves, although there are um, some allegations of that. It's It's with the referees. Um, and it's not very well hidden either. So there will be lots of cards or very few cards, lots of penalties or no penalties when there should be a penalty. Um, and so the football is its own mafia. Or the, the, the head of the football is its own mafia. Um, and uh, it's one of the few mafias in Indonesia. And the Indonesians use the term mafia um, that is intertwined with politics. Um, and so the referees have their own mafia, which is separate somewhat from the, from the hierarchy of the, of the football, of the, uh, of the PSSI, of the, of, of the football association. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's very, and that's, that's been part of the issue. Um, and the, the government's had to step in this year. Um, the, the league was supposed to start in February and it still hasn't started yet because the league stepped or because the government stepped in. Um, uh, and so there are political factions within the PSSI, political factions that are rivaling the, rival, rivaling the current government. Um, so there's, there's, a lot of, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of teams, I guess, the, a lot of factions and a lot of, um, a lot of fingers in the pot. Yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, very dirty fingers in one um, sort of a very dirty, low-ranked pie. Uh, franchise corruption. Well, it's all, uh, it sounds very exciting. Um, you have recently, uh, I, I read one of uh, Rowan's articles for Vice Sports where he went on the most magical of all things to do with football, the away day uh, with the lads. Um, you'll forgive me, I cannot remember the exact fixture that you saw. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, well, first, please tell us what the exact fixture was. And also, what was the standard like in terms of uh, something we can relate to here in Europe? Yeah. Um, so that was actually, I think I sent you a pre-draft of an article that hasn't actually come out yet. Um, so that's going to be coming out in, a, in an American magazine um, uh, sometime this fall or winter, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, Still in the editing process, still going through. So that's that, that that's exciting. Great, great. Um, the the trip I went on, and we'll we, we, we can we'll, we'll plug this later. I'll certainly plug it later when it comes out. Um, but the trip I went on was with a group of um, they're called they call themselves Semitan Dewata, which is a, a um, 
uh, Balinese term. And the, they are the fans of the local team, Bali United, uh, which was set to play its inaugural season this year uh, in, the, uh, in the Indonesian uh, Super League, as it was formerly called. Um, it's now called the Qatar National Bank League. Um, so if you, want to, if you want to interject some sort of comment about uh, uh, corruption, uh, worldwide corruption there, please feel free. Um, so they're supposed to start their, their – Bali United are supposed to have their first year in the Indonesian Premier League this year, Indonesian Super League this year. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, as I said, the government stepped in, uh, canceled the league, froze the PSSI, uh, the Football Association – and um, and so the league hasn't started. So what what these teams have been doing to literally pay their players has been going around and playing uh, friendlies and and playing exhibition matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the I went with this group of of Sematande Water, the the supporters, and they take the name supporter very seriously uh, to meet with two other supporters groups. One called the Bonek, which are uh, a team from Surabaya. Uh, or the supporters of a team from Surabaya. That's a whole other story, um, which would take a podcast in itself. Uh, basically, there are two teams in Surabaya that are mirror images of each other, controlled by two different political factions uh, that don't like each other. And um, the s- supporters are behind one, uh, but not behind the other. So it's it's a it's so we met with the supporters that are 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 behind the 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 uh, what they say is the the real team. Met with them, went, went, to an, went, went to an exhibition match in Surabaya, and then went to see Bali United play a friendly against another team who is Surabaya's biggest rival. Uh, they're called Arema, mm-hmm. and they're from the city of Malang. Um, and their, uh, their um, team's or their supporters' motto is uh, Halal Atau Haram uh, um, Menang Levi Penting. Which means halal or haram, which which is the uh, Muslim kind of uh, it's like kosher, being kosher or not being kosher. It's 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 good. Halal is is good, and haram mm-hmm. is bad or uh, unclean. Um, winning is most important, and uh, they are in favor of the status quo, uh, which includes match fixing, includes bribing referees, et cetera. Et it's cetera, always easier cetera. to win that um, way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and what the 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 big the big interesting uh, the, the 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 most interesting point that I saw between the two cities was in Surabaya. They're very revolutionary, very for the government intervention. They want to kick out all the corruption in in the FA, um, and then so there's there's anti FA signs everywhere, and they've got like the Guy Fox mask. They look like uh, v for Vendetta all over the place. And then in, in Malang, there wasn't a mention of anything. It was all kind of clean, all we just want to play football, we just want to da 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 da, we just want to keep things going. So it was a really interesting contrast between the two. Um, as In terms of uh, play, um, it's very direct. The Indonesians have a tendency to kind of put their head down and run straight forward with mm-hmm. the ball um, and uh, try and play very quickly through the middle. Um, the uh, the the game that I saw the the Bali United against Arema game match that I saw was one nil and they Bali United scored in the ninety third minute um, so uh, very poor defending very poor finishing um, somewhat decent ball control but uh, but yeah I mean it's it's what you would expect from teams that had been practicing for for six months and hadn't hadn't played a 
a full match. Having kicked a ball in anger, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I gave you a lot to, to digest there. I, I, I apologize. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting. Obviously, we, we know nothing about uh, Asian football. The thing that strikes me the most about Asian football is um, why Asian teams, and I don't mean to sort of heavily generalize here, um, but, but most of the Asian countries are very heavily populated, and I never understand why um, countries like, like uh, Indonesia um, or anywhere around there uh, cannot find 11 people in their, in their population that could play international football to a high level. Uh, and people say that this has never been done in Asia, but it has, because South Korea and Japan have both uh, kind of... They're, they're sort of uh, pretty reliable, actually, in terms of world pre- prestige, whereas sort of Southeast Asia, especially places like, yeah, Indonesia and India, uh, with a billion people, you'd expect um, 11, just 11 of them to... Uh, to be uh, to, to to be good enough. I mean, obviously, you must know about my previous attempts to try and play for Sri Lanka internationally. Um, this is I have not ah, heard really about this. Well, yeah, well, I yeah, I, sure. um, I qualify I, I qualify for Sri Lanka um, through FIFA regulations um, because of my grandmother's place of birth, um, and I've I've been. As you know, I'm a fairly skilled goalkeeper, and um, I thought I could uh, I could certainly lend my talents to the Sri Lankan national team, who I do follow vaguely. They they are currently I think 186th in the world, which is maybe four off the bottom. Um, they they really never win, uh, and they've yet to get back to me. I've emailed them many times, but they um, it's almost like they don't take my uh, candidature seriously. Um, the average height of a Sri Lankan, I believe, is uh, five foot, uh, five foot four. I think five foot five. Very, very, uh, quite small. Um, so to go in goals, I would at least provide the uh, the sort of height um, height at the back, which is is essential. But but they they don't they just didn't seem uh, interested at all. But uh, it's it's something that's always amazed me that uh, the sort of Southeast Asian teams are quite so bad. Um, which brings me on to my next point, actually. Um, Many of these countries, they do have a sport that is very popular, uh, like cricket, for example, or, well, no, in all these countries, it's, it's cricket. Does Indonesia have any kind of non-Western sports? Do you have a, a traditional sport in Indonesia? Not, not that is, like, widely popular oh, okay. um, that I've actually noticed. So, I mean, I've been here for six months, so I, if I would have noticed if, if a sport was widely popular that isn't so but it's badminton and then football people here are crazy about football mm-hmm. and I, I would say i would say football takes precedence over over badminton right. um so it's 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 it to, to kind of uh yeah respond to why indonesia isn't good at football it's lack of coaching lack of funding um all the funding gets kind of put into the the, the uh, pockets of the owners and, and the pockets of, of people that kind of down the line. So there's not a lot of good pitches here. Um, the the youth teams, the youth setup is 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 inadequate. I mean, I think if if there's a there's a point where coaching actually really matters, uh, and it's probably around 15 or 16, um, where you can 15 or 16 year olds anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world can play each other, and it would be depending on kind of like where you're playing and, and, and the conditions, it would be a pretty even match. But after 14, 15, 16, that's when coaching really starts to matter. That's yeah. when, when you really need 
needs some sort of structure, some sort of strategy. And yeah, Indonesia just 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 doesn't have it. Just doesn't have it. So Lou, I'm 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 interested. Uh, flipping it back on you, what is the sporting situation like in the frying pan? Uh, in the frying pan, the sporting situation is uh, well. There's a fairly rich vein of sport uh, running through Andalusia, obviously with La Liga, which thankfully starts um, next week, which will certainly make my life a little less boring uh, overall. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that, especially this weekend, because I will be travelling to Madrid uh, to see the opening, uh, the opening day's game of Atlético Madrid versus Las Palmas, the newly promoted team from the Canary Islands. Um, so I will certainly feed back from that in the, in the podcast in the future. Um, but I, I have been to a couple of La Liga games, and they are they are fantastic. Um, La Liga is incredibly popular uh, in Spain. And there is not really any sport that comes that close to it, except for, well, actually no. Spain is a, a sporting nation that is, 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 is fairly alien to me, coming from Scotland, in that they excel in many, many things. Um, almost everything they seem to put their, their mind to, there is actually a, sort of a world champion uh, in all of their, all sort of major sports, bar kind of... Uh, rugby, but if if you talk about football, uh, golf, tennis, uh, Formula One as well, I believe they have a, a, a real pantheon of sporting achievement. Uh, the Spanish do, and if you see the weather here, you would understand. Uh, there's there's really no time. It's it, the weather is always sunny, so as long as it's not the middle of the day, you can train anytime you want. Uh, in Andalusia, I am near enough to Seville to mean that Seville, the two Seville teams are the, the sort of most popular in the area. Um, because I'm in the back end of nowhere, the countryside team is Real Betis. Uh, they are more popular in, uh, in, the, uh, in the sticks, shall we say. Uh, Seville are the kind of city boys team, the, the sort of posh, the posh team. Uh, so Real Betis have been promoted this year. They, were all, they went up as champions, so there is a Seville derby. In terms of Andalusia in general, um, there is lots of teams in Andalusia. None of them are particularly good, and they play a yo-yo game of maybe two or three go down, and three will will uh, will come up. Um, locally, uh, Betis is the, is the big team. We also do in this tiny hamlet. There is a league team. Uh, it's one of the one things that this town does have is a stadium. Uh, which which pretty much sums up how popular football is in Spain because this town has about five thousand people. They play. What's the what's the yeah yeah? What's the seating capacity at the um, stadium? There's only one stand. There's only one stand, uh, and then three uh, standing areas. I think if you really pushed it, you could get a thousand people in there. So okay. it, it's it's by no means small actually. It's by no means small, um, and. La Campana Balompié, as they are called, I believe, play in the eighth tier of Spanish football. So if you go Real Madrid minus eight, you will find... see the seven or eight. I think they were promoted last year, so I think seven this year. Uh, and uh, it's only onwards and upwards from here, really. So we will see. Well, you've just, you've just given away where you live. You've, you've, you've... The cat's out of the bag I know, now. I know. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's, it's it's there. 
do you do, have you been able to play anything? Have you been have you been stretching your goalkeeper limbs at all since you've been there, or uh, haven't the, has the opportunity not not arisen? Um, I've, I've yet to. I, I made a conscious decision after moving to London uh, when I played one Sunday league match, a match that we were beaten ten one. Uh, I made a decision in my mind, certainly, if not. Uh, you know, a physical uh, physical decision that I would never ever play uh, a game of competitive football eleven aside like that again. Um, it was the tenth goal when they scored directly from a corner that I let go, uh, sort of nestled itself in the top corner beautifully. Um, I also picked up a pass back as well from with the resulting indirect free kick they scored from, and I thought, you know what, I'm done now. That's me. Uh, that's me done. Uh, I've put my I've put my hat in the ring. I've, I've I've spoken to some people. I said, you know, if there's ever a, a massive injury crisis, I am um, I'm I'm here for you. But until that day comes, I will be the spectator. They have a very good bar in the stadium, so that's that's fine for me so at the moment. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Well, so what was your what was your uh, um, expat experience of the mm. week? Since we should probably start wrapping this yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my expectations of the week—it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a dull one, to be honest. But um, something that really doesn't ever happen in the, in the UK was somebody to, uh, yesterday gave me um, a sack of lemons, and I, I mean like a, a sack. Um, I'm I'm pretty kind of uh, I don't know cosmopolitan in the way that I've I've grown up and I've never growing up in the countryside or anything like that. But um, yesterday, a man came to my door. Um, he was quite drunk as well, so it was, it was a bit strange. But he, he asked me, do you have lemons? And I said, no, I, I don't have any lemons. I don't use lemons for fucking anything. Like, they are pretty useless fruits. Um, I don't know what... Uh, uh, yeah, I have none. And he said, do you want some lemons? I said, no, absolutely not. Um... And he said, they're free. And that's when, like, the Scottish thing kicked in a little bit. And um, he said, give me a second. Went down to his, uh, his, his house, and he, he brought me a sack. And, I mean, like a full bin bag of, I'd say, close to 100, 100 lemons, um, which are of prodigious size here in southern Spain. So I, I have this like, incredible amount of, of lemons, which I, I, I have juiced some of them, uh, the juice of which is obviously undrinkable uh, because it's, it's so sour. Um, and uh, despite giving my house a very fragrant odor, it uh, is definitely an inconvenience. That is my story. Interesting. Mm. See, I would, I would, I would, I love lemons, mm -hmm. and uh, I would, I would certainly make lemonade out of a bag full of mm -hmm. lemons, and maybe sell it on the street. Maybe you should set up a table in front of your house yeah. and sell some lemonade, yeah. and make a couple, 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 couple of cents. That you can yeah. Drink later in the day. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps, yeah. yeah. It's, it's fifty cents, fifty cents for a cup of lemonade. We could see how it goes, though. The lemons grow on trees here, so I mean, there would be no real uh, reason yeah. for anyone not to kind of do it themselves. But um, yeah, that was that was uh, yesterday's experience. I have a lot of experiences where, um, like, drunk older guys give me unwieldy gifts, which um, 
Uh, Which doesn't sound dirty no, at all. It's something that's uh, something that's afflicted me my my entire life, really, not just here. Um, but we'll go into it more on a other another podcast, I think. What about you, Ron? What happened this week? Not a whole lot, uh, but yesterday I went to a protest um, mm. about a development that's going on that's supposed to be being built. Um, they're they're trying to um, they the uh, unnamed they are the trying man. to build uh, yeah the man mm. um, are trying to build a island a few islands um, in a big bay mm. uh, that and take out a bunch of mangrove swamp, take out a bunch of estuary and build, um, build an Island on which they'll put villas, hotels, um, a golf course, and maybe even an F1 truck. Uh, so there was a protest about that. That's an ongoing issue. It's been going on for like three or four years now. Um, and, uh, it's potentially coming to a head in a couple, couple months, next couple months. So, um, Hopefully, you'll see a, an article about that for me in the in the in the near future. Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, the one thing that Indonesia probably doesn't need is more islands. Um, so, just on a on a purely sort of practical point, I would say that's a bad idea. I know nothing about the history, but uh, if a, a country and well, an archipelago is made up of so many islands, uh, more is unnecessary. More is unnecessary. Yeah, the, 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 the idea with the and the the problem with this is the big problem with this besides like tearing up a bunch of mangrove swamp and, and creating islands when there's already seventeen thousand is uh the fact that it's it's like right at, at the edge of the um it's right where all the water from the city comes out. So it's pretty mm-hmm. dirty to begin with, but also like if you just put land there, everything else behind it's gonna flood. Uh right. which the whole city's gonna flood basically if this goes forward. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And in probably in the typical Indonesian way, it'll start. And then three months later, construction will stop and it won't be finished. So, yeah, yeah. They they do that all the time here too. That's fine. I understand that. that, Hence the pile of bricks. Hence the pile of bricks from the last episode. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Works out. Well, I think that's, I think that's it for today. I think we've probably overrun a little bit, but we can, we can, uh, yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure, Ron. It's always a pleasure. And for all of you out there that tuned in uh, by whatever method that you, uh, that you chose, thank you very much for tuning in. If you want to follow the podcast, uh, you can follow me, um, Louis Rive, at my, my magazine, www.talkingsoup.com or at Talking Soup Magazine. If you are uh, a Twitter, a Twitterer, I believe is the name, a tweeter. There we go, a tweeter. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and Rowan, how do I get in touch with you? Uh, at my blog, semalongstories.wordpress.com or on Twitter, uh, which I don't really use very much, uh, but you can message me on it and I'll get it. Uh, tweet at me, uh, at R-L-M Kane with a K. Um, good talking to you this week, Lou. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk about sport. Uh, good luck with the mangrove swamp and uh, we will talk again next week. Cheers. Good luck with the lemons. Yeah, we'll see how things go. For everybody else, tune in next week for episode seven of The Frying Pan. Until then, I'll say goodbye, Rowan. Goodbye, Lou. See you later, guys.
Light me.